helping people cope with and overcome life's challenges. This is Life Transformations with Michael Hart, Canadian Certified Counselor and Award-Winning Psychotherapist. Welcome to the Life Transformation Show. I'm Denise filling in for Melissa. We have a great show for you today. And the topic is when a family member becomes addicted. It started out as just a time of fun or an evening out with the guys. But now you have noticed that the substance is taking over the life of your family member. The once loving and meek husband or wife has become aggressive when under the influence. You notice also that this habit is taking a toll on your finances as hundreds of dollars are unaccounted for and you are sinking further and further in debt. The once involved father or mother is now beginning to miss family events and church services. You are concerned as situations are progressively getting worse. You read the words of Proverbs 20 verse 1. Wine makes you mean, bear makes you quarrelsome, and staggering drunk is not much fun. And think to yourself, this is so true. All the fun has been erased out of our relationship by this addiction. You feel a multitude of emotions, confused, angry, ashamed, and at a loss as to what to do. If this sounds even similar to your story, or you help people who are dealing with such challenges, stay tuned as we are going to be exploring what to do and what not to do when a family member has become addicted. Before we continue um, with the show, I wanted to remind you of our upcoming healing retreat on June 7th to 9th at Providence Point, Lanark. Uh, we only have a Two more spots. So if you're thinking of um, attending, please register as soon as possible. For our new listeners, ELIM is a not-for-profit organization that provides professional counseling from a Christian perspective. You can find out more about us on the web at ELIM, E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com or by calling us at 1-877-544-3546. So with me in studio today is Michael Hart, clinical psychotherapist and director of Elim Counseling Services. Welcome, Michael. Thank you, Denise. It is such a pleasure to have you with me here in studio today. We are at a bit of a conundrum here. I have a face for radio and you have a face for television. But here we are. We'll try to make it work. Well, you say that, Michael. I'll trust you. The listeners can't see my face. So maybe one day they'll judge that. <laughs> I'm sure they're going to agree with me, Denise. <laughs> So, Michael, why don't you start by giving a definition of what uh, you're talking about here when you say addicted? Because it is known fact that people who are addicted will argue with you that they are okay and that you are overreacting. 
That is such a good point, Denise. And because of that, uh, there is a standard definition of addiction, or there are several standard definitions of, of addiction. But one of the definitions that I want to give today is from the American Psych- Psychiatric Association uh, website, where they define addiction as, quote, Addiction is a complex condition, a brain disease that is manifested by compulsive substance use despite harmful consequences. People with addiction, severe substance use disorder, have an intense focus on using a certain substance such as alcohol or drugs to the point that it takes over their life. Unquote. And I think there are some key things there that I want to, to point out today as we talk about addiction. And, and the first thing that this uh, definition touches on is that it takes over the person's life. So with many addicts, there has been attempt to stop. They realize that what they're doing is destructive and they're just not able to. To stop, for example, a person who is drinking might have had uh, DUI charges, but they continue to drink. So there is this 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 uh, inability to to con- to take control of their life. And the next part of that definition that I like, it says, despite harmful consequences. So this harmful consequences. Uh, is talking about things like DUI charges, going further and further in debt, and so forth. And it's very important for us to realize that when we are talking about addicts here, we're not talking about someone who's just having a glass of wine and becoming a little talkative. We're talking about situations where it is taking over the person's life. The person is beginning to lose control. And as a loving family member, you're looking at this and you're seeing the path of destruction and you realize that there is something that needs to be done to stop this. Well, Michael, you have developed um, an acronym, uh, D-E-A-R, and you have encouraged people in your workshops and conferences to avoid the DARE response. Well, I'm sure the listeners would like to know um, what this DARE response is all about. Can you explain? Yes, this is a term that I have come up with and will be in one of my upcoming books. You'll hear more about my upcoming books in the in, as we go further into this year. But the the dare response, the D in the dare response is for denial. And so uh, family members often make the mistake of going into denial. And denial is a coping mechanism. Maybe it's just too hard for you to admit that this spirit-filled, born-again person that you have married to is now having a substance abuse. And so instead of instead of admitting it and dealing with it, you go into this self-defense mechanism that Freud talks about that's called denial. So the D is for denial. The E is for enabling. And enabling is behaviors by the addict's family that helps to supplement the, the addict's lifestyle. 
And so we'll talk more about enabling later on, but I just want to, to throw that out for now. And the A is for avoidance. Avoidance is a kind of bury your head in the sand approach to problem solving, where you realize it's going on, you see the consequences, the, 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 the things that are happening, and you see the, the, conse- the negative consequences that it's having. But instead of doing anything about it, you avoid it. And the reason you avoid it may be you're a conflict adverse, Maybe the person becomes angry when you try to talk about it. So instead of doing anything about it, you avoid it because it's too much of a hot topic to deal with. And then the R is for reactivity. And this is a very common mistake that addicts family make when they are trying to deal with the addiction is that they react instead of being proactive. So a reactive response is the addict comes through the door and he's staggering drunk and you get into a rage and you yell and you scream and you said, I can't take this anymore. I just can't deal with this. Or you the, the next day and you're having a quiet uh, time, you know, it's supper time. Time and something simple triggers you and you explode. Maybe it's it's something that is not even relevant to the addict's behavior, but you're reacting out of stress instead of having a calm and calculated approach to the problem. So those are the four things. The denial, the D is for denial, the E is for enabling, the A is for avoidance, and the R is for reactivity. These things must be avoided if you are going to get the addict's attention. Very interesting, Michael. I can see why people would... um respond in this sort of way because they're trying to protect their family members. They're thinking that they really love them and that's why they probably go through this process. But you're saying that they should not um, respond this way. Very good. So as we move on, you have identified five steps to take with a family member who is addicted. And uh, did you want to explain the first one to us? The first of the five step is to talk about the problem by pointing out specifics. And this is a key step. I'm going to expound on this a little bit more. So when we try to talk with addicts about the problems, the mistakes that is that, that are often made or the mistake that is often made is that we tend to focus on the behavior, the addictive behavior itself. Like we will say, I can't take this drinking anymore. You need to stop drinking or, you know, you need to, to stop using drugs or, you know, the, the fact that you have this gambling addiction is really a problem to me. And so when you talk about the problem itself, you are actually creating a situation where the person is going to defend that it's not a problem because they don't see the substance that they're using as a problem. So what you need to do instead is to shift and talk about specific things that are being affected by the use of the substance. So, for example, how is the addict's life being affected? For example, you could talk about the the addict's goal. Your goal is to graduate by June, but you have failed every course because of your addiction. Or you might say, your plan is to save up money for a down payment. You have told me that this is a goal of yours, to save money for a down payment for a home, but you are sinking further and further in debt. So you might talk about the addict's life, given specifics. That's the key here. 
talk about specifics, but you may also need to talk about how relationships are being affected. So you could talk about the fact that the person is becoming more and more distant from their kids or that the kids are beginning to be affected by the lifestyle. And by so doing, you're given specifics that is very hard to argue against. But the key here is don't focus on the behavior itself. Focus on the effect that the behavior is having. That's a very important point, Michael, because when you do that, then the addict can probably go into himself um, and see himself. Yes, and you're given facts, Denise, that the addict will be able to see and, and, and know that it's happening. When you talk about the substance, there can be arguments about whether or not the, it, the quantity is too much or too little or whether or not you're overreacting. But when you talk about these effects, you're given concrete example. Yes. And so, um, what would be the second uh, part of this five step? The second part of the five step is to set boundaries for your relationship with the addict. Example, I will not be telling others at church that you are sick the next time you have a hangover on a Sunday morning. One of the things that happen is uh, for, for people who are family members of the addict, we cover up because we are trying to keep this family secret. And so we will go to church and we will lie for the addict by saying, oh, you know, he's studying for an exam or, you know, he worked late last night or he's sick. And we make these excuses. So you can set boundaries by saying, I will not be doing that anymore. Or you could say, I, I will no longer be putting up with, with your verbal or physical abuse when you are in that state hate because it's beginning to affect me mentally and I don't want to fall apart. I have to be here to take care of my kids. And so it's important for you to set these boundaries because not to set boundaries is to allow this thing to continue and for it to, to for the person to continue to walk all over you. That was a very important one also. And uh, so let's move on uh, to the third um, step, which you had said is uh, avoid enabling behavior. Expand on that, please. The third step of, of avoiding enabling behavior, and this is a very hard one because people will do things out of love for their loved ones. And so they will do things like uh, an addict has, has used the, the, the payment for their monthly rent to, to buy drugs. And instead of saying, instead of letting the addict suffer the consequences of their action, family members will step up to the plate and will provide the finances just so that that person doesn't get kicked out of their apartment. But what is happening is that by doing this, you're enabling the person's behavior and you're subsidizing the drug addict. And so uh, avoid these kind of behaviors as much as they're very tempting to do. And also things like hiding the fact that the person is driving with a suspended license because, because of a DUI charge is also a form of enabling behavior. Because when you do this, what you're doing, you're enabling the person to feel that they can break the law, they can do whatever they want to do, they can put other people's life at risk, and you are just going to put up with it and do nothing. But what would you say to a listener who is listening saying, no, I love 
my family member. I love my son or daughter and, you know, I don't want them to be living on the street or um, failing, that sort of stuff. So I'm trying to do my best to help them. And I know this is not always, this is not an easy uh, situation, Dennis. But if you think about the story of the prodigal son, when the, the father gave the prodigal son that inheritance to go and to do whatever he wants with it, that father was saying, you are now responsible for your consequences. The father in that story didn't bail out the son. You didn't read of the father going after him and bailing him out when he was eating the food in the pigsty. You didn't hear the father uh, preventing him from going bankrupt. But uh, and, and it was these act of not preventing him from becoming, from hitting rock bottom, that finally allowed the prodigal son to have this change of heart. I'm saying to my listeners today that I know this is hard to do, but sometimes by being too over-involved in the addict's life, you are preventing them from hitting rock bottom and from changing. In the story of the prodigal son, we are told that it was when the no man gave him anything that he came to his senses. If you have just joined us, you're listening to the Life Transformation Show. I'm your host, Michael Hart of Elam Counseling Services. And with me in studio today, it's not Melissa with a different voice. It's Denise that is here with me today. And we are covering the topic of when a family member becomes addicted. You can find out more about this show. Or you can listen to the first part of this show by going to our YouTube channel. And there are over 200 podcasts there that you can listen to. You can connect to YouTube by going to our website at elimcounselingministry.com or you can call us at 1-877-544-3546. And Michael, I really um, like that story you mentioned, the prodigal son, because even as with children, you know, we try to teach, um, help them to understand consequences. And uh, normally they learn from um consequences. And so, you know, that's what that story was saying. It's such an important thing, Dennis, because when we prevent people from reaping their consequences, then we're actually helping them to think that the situation is not as bad as they're making it. So, so helping them. And remember, we need to remember that love may hurt, but love doesn't harm. The Bible tells us that God chastises those that he loves. So that's a form of hurt, but God does not harm us. That hurt is for our ultimate good. And sometimes when we prevent family members from hurting, we're actually keeping them stuck in that rut. Amen, Michael. Amen. So let's move on to our fourth part of this, uh, all the steps to take with a family member who is addicted. What's the fourth part, Michael? Explain that. The fourth step is to get help for yourself. Get help from your support circle at your church or in your community group. A lot of family members carry shame because of the addict's behavior. But remember that you haven't done anything to be ashamed of. And an addiction is a mental condition. You don't have to be ashamed for what your partner is going through. But a lot of family members keep this 
addiction as a secret in the family. And by keeping it in the darkness, it grows and becomes bigger and bigger. And the sad thing is that sometimes the other family members begin to fall apart. Children begin to act out in school in delinquent ways because of the stress that's not been tended to in the home. And uh, caregivers who are taking care of the addicts suffer burnout and have mental breakdowns because they are not getting help. So it's very, very important to get help if you find yourself in a situation where you are taking care of an addict and you're suffering in silence. Don't suffer in silence. Get help so that you can get over this condition. Uh, that is so true, Michael. You know, it's better for people to seek the help, um, but, they, but you would remind um, all of us that, you know, it's important to seek the right help uh, because you don't want to go and tell everybody about what's going on in your family. And then it becomes like gossip in the church or in the community. So you want to be very, very careful. That's such a good point, Denise. I'm so glad that you mentioned that because when we get help, I think it should be important that we be very selective. You want to find people that you know is not going to be using this as a, as a, as a topic of discussion with all of their friends. So you want to choose mature believers who can help you to cope and help you to grow. And if you can't find it in, in your church, then there is also, al- always uh, professional help that you can get, you know, to, to get someone to help you walk through this very difficult time. But remember, you cannot, cannot, cannot do that alone. You need to try to get help to deal with that situation. So, what about the addict's um, privacy and his rights? You want to talk a little bit about that? Yes, because I know sometimes we can think that, you know, isn't it is is you know, his right to have this thing remain private. You're actually telling others about the addict's life. And now that can become very, you know, a very conflictual situation in the household where the addict think his right is being infringed upon. But let me just say that when you have an addiction problem in a household, it's never the addict's life alone that has been Affected, And it's not the addict situation, it's a family situation. The addict might want you to keep this as a private thing, but you need to understand that it's not just about his life. It's about the children's life in the family. It's about the spouse's life. And as a spouse, you have all right to reach out for help. If you allow yourself to be forced into a situation where you're suffering and you're becoming more and more frustrated, you could get to a point where you have a nervous breakdown and then you're no good for your kids. And then the kids have a mother that has a nervous breakdown, a father that's an addict, and then the whole family is destroyed. So desperate times call for desperate measures. And despite what the addict might want you to do, you need to remember that this person is suffering from a mental condition and you cannot allow this person to dictate to you what's right and what's wrong. Exactly. I agree with that because as soon as he gets the right help, I'm sure he'll be thanking his family member 
um, for doing that for him. So let's move on to the fifth um, and final uh, step to take with the family member who is addicted. The fifth step is to help your family member by providing a list of resources that this person can use. Remember, again, it's a mental condition. And so you want to be able to say to the family member, here is a list of resources. And, and on that list of resources should be Alcoholic Anonymous Group if it, if it's, if it's, uh, if it's alcohol. And your groups are all kind of, uh, 12-step groups are all kind of drugs. So if this person has an addiction, a support group is a very effective way of of helping this person to change. But you also want to provide counseling resources. So find out what the counseling resources are in your area and help this person to, to access those sources. This is where you you can be helpful because you, you can help this person sit down with this person, help this person to book an appointment, uh, seek out a group for, with this person and encourage the person to go. But one thing I think that we need to keep in mind here is that as we provide resources for our family member and we get help and they begin to get help, remember it's not going to be a straight line to recovery. There are going to be ups and downs. And it's important for you to remember that relapse is a part of the a part of the, the, the process. And so when your family member relapses, as long as they're on a path where they're trying to get help, you should try to be supportive to them. And so I see that we are we have come very quickly to the the end of today's show, Dennis. So I just want to thank you to you so much for for being with us on today's episode. My pleasure, Michael. And I'm sure I'll have you back. This was really fun doing this with you, Denise. I just want to say that if you're an addict and you have listened to the, today's show, this show was not meant in any way to be condemning, in any way to, to, to make you feel as if some, somehow you're less than other people. But at my heart, my heart is for you to get the help that you, that you need. And sometimes the people around you are going to have to show tough love to help you you to get the help that you need. If you have been listening and you're a family member and you are thinking that some of these steps are hard, yes, they're hard steps, but they're necessary steps to take to get the help for your family. And so I also want to remind our listeners that we have a healing retreat that's coming up on the weekend of May of June 7 to 9 at Providence Point in Lanark. To find out more about that, you can go to our website. There's a whole section there about the retreat and how to register. And as Denny said at the beginning of the show, we only have two spots remaining. And so the website again is elimcounselingministry.com. Elim is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com. And you can also call us at one 544 3546 Remember also that we have over 200 podcasts that you can access on our YouTube channel. You can go to uh, the, our webpage and YouTube will be one of the links from there. And I also want to remind you that we are a not-for-profit organization, so we would like to get your help in helping us to continue this ministry. You can help us by subscribing to our YouTube channel. You can help us by making donations to this show and you can also donate 
donate through the crowdfunding platform at patreon.com slash elim counseling and so until next time this is your host michael hart of elim counseling services and denise praying together that god would bless you in all your relationships and keep you sound in mind and pure in heart